Who remembers what we're uh, talking about this month? Without looking at the screen before. <laughs> we're talking about the value of community. And in the first week, we, dis- we discussed the value in terms of a sort of a, a cost-benefit analysis. Uh, and we saw that we're bound by, one, our unity in our faith in Jesus. Uh, we're bound together by our shared experiences. We're bound by the ability to trust one another and be vulnerable. Uh, we're bound by our sense of commitment to the gospel. And although sometimes we, we don't want to recognize it, we're actually bound by the fact that we are there, here to make each other accountable. And last week, last week, what did we discover? We discovered that the church doesn't exist to teach people scripture, but scripture exists to show people how to be the church. And so this week, I want to discuss another value of community, and that is that it builds our character. Who wants their character built? (laughs) Who thinks that's a trick question? So in the book of Acts, in chapter 2 and verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, I've used this is the English Standard Version, which is not the version I usually use. I usually use the New Living Translation. But I thought this was key to use because this particular translation, you notice, says the teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And so it emphasizes the fact that these were actually things that the disciples did, things that the fellowship of Jesus started to do when it first came into being and was... They were important enough to have a the put in front of them. There's the teaching, which is important. There's the fellowship, which has become important. There's the breaking of bread. And there's the prayers. And so these were important practices. And they were either different from what they were used to, because who knows that the Jewish people prayed, and they broke bread. Eating together is not um, uncommon. Uh, And the symbolism of the breaking of bread uh, is also part of the Jewish faith. So they were just different, but some of these things were completely new. And it says, they devoted themselves to these things. Now the Greek word here for devotion, which I cannot pronounce, uh, actually indicates a change of of a person's character acquired by effort. Now, I don't don't know about you, but (laughs) nobody wants to make the effort. Um, But when we were new in our faith, uh, we went to everything and did everything we were told to do because it was, was new and it was interesting and it was, it was, there was this revelation, there was this sense of something new and exciting happening in our lives and it didn't actually require much effort. But as time went on and we discovered more about what our relationship with God should look like and we discovered how God wants us to change our lives, we discovered that After that first flush of enthusiasm, there was actually a decision we had to make. And that decision was to actually change our character to become more like Jesus. And that actually, after a while, took effort because then we we had to make a decision to do what God was asking us to do because we knew more about our relationship. We know that, that God doesn't punish us if we're ignorant. He gets upset though if we know what to do and we don't do it and we ignore his word. 
because that shows a lack of character on our part. And so we all actually have to make that decision about our relationship with God, what he requires of us, and what we need to grow our character. So what is character? Well, I've got a great definition here. It says character comprises of the distinct moral and mental qualities of an individual. Character is the foundation of who you are. It speaks loudly about the kind of person you are, what you think of yourself, and your opinion about others and your surroundings. Character of a person is influenced by the social and cultural environment in which one lives. And I like this, this famous quote, which has been attributed to Eleanor Roosevelt, which says, a woman is like a tea bag. You can't tell how strong she is until you put her in hot water. Now, I'm not sure that these days that quote would stand the test of time, but I think you can get her meaning. And I think we can actually expand that saying to say that our true character is revealed when we're stressed. Jesus said it slightly differently. In Mark 7.15, he says, it's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Now here he was talking about the fact that the Jewish people had very strict laws about what they could eat. And he was actually addressing the fact that it's not, it's, it's not the food that you eat that makes you holy or, 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 or evil. Uh, because he said, you know, the food goes in one end and comes out the other. He says, you get rid of it. He says, the true thing is what is in your heart, what you have put into your heart. Because when that comes out, sometimes it smells a bit like the food that comes out. And he says, and in verse 21, he talks about all kinds of evil that comes from our hearts to defile us. And so we have to make, work hard to make sure that what springs from our hearts is pure and kind and good. Am I right? Okay. So we have to work hard together because community forms character. Uh, there's another quote by a guy called Stendhal, which says, one can acquire everything in solitude except character. So this is something, this is not you know, the, the thing of you know, shaving our heads, putting robes on and going, sitting up on a mountaintop and going, um, for the rest of our lives, hoping that it will build character, because all it will do is build loneliness and uh, a d distorted sense of your own self-importance. And so we, we've actually got to be in community for our characters to be built. Romans 5.3 tells us what builds characters. Who actually wants me to read Romans 5.3? It says, we can rejoice. Hey, this is good. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So, it's, of course, it's not what we'd hoped for when we asked that question. It's the usual problems and trials. But we're used to the narrative being a little more personal. Because does that, rem does that narrative remind you of any other scriptures? Because we usually read it in James. James chapter 1 verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for pure joy. Great joy. Because you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, these two passages say the same thing, but Romans expresses the idea of character as a community attribute. 
Whereas I think we interpret James more often to be a personal character growth uh, journey against personal challenges. And the trouble is that with the English language, we have only one word, you or your, which can be translated singular or plural. I can be talking about you or I can be talking about you. And there's, there's not much difference in that. There is a, a, a version, uh, well, because of that, I think that, that because of the rise of individualism, we, we've tended to err on the side of saying, well, it means me, because it's all about me, and I'm more important than you, because after all, I'm me. Um, <laughs> and that sort of thing uh, results in the, the way we view scripture Talking to us more as individuals, there's an actual faith community. And the Hebrew and the, and the Aramaic use a word that when we read our Old and New Testaments, which is more actually translated into Southern United States language, where they have a word, y'all. And I'm talking to y'all about this. Uh, there is a, a similar word in Australian idiom, which is use, or use guys. Um, but I refuse to use that term on principle and uh, find myself somewhat unwillingly siding with the Americans on this. Um, not something I usually do. And so yeah, we often look at our faith and our, and our faith walk as an athletic endeavour, something a bit like a marathon, uh, which is not unreasonable considering we, we come across verses like 1 Corinthians 9, 24, which says, don't you realise that in a race everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. Uh, but that way of thinking tends to push the focus of our challenges towards external stimuli. And a marathon runner, for instance, has to contend with personal fitness, um, the weather, the road conditions, um, thirst, fatigue, and occasionally other runners. But I, I think you know, we need to change our emphasis. I think Romans 3.5 points more towards our race being similar to a bike race like the Tour de France, which is a totally different ball game. One of the unique aspects of such a race is something called the peloton, which is actually the French word for, for platoon, uh, which is a, a group of soldiers marching together. And, does, and so has any, anybody not watched a bike race with a peloton in it? Rubbish. <laughs> uh, go, well, look, if you don't know what a peloton is, speak to Justine, because she's probably the only person here who's even come close to riding in one. Um, but the same thing holds. A rider in the Tour de France faces the same challenges as a marathon runner. There's their personal fitness, there's the weather, the road conditions, thirst and fatigue. But then there are the other cyclists. They are that far away, in front, behind, to the left and to the right. And you are riding with them somewhere between 40 and 80 kilometres an hour down a road on a push bike. A very spindly, lightweight, dangerous push bike. And so the focus of the danger that you face not only comes from the terrain outside, but it can come within, from within the peloton as well. It's, 
character building because the degree of cooperation and situational awareness that is required in these races is phenomenal. And when things go wrong, it gets catastrophic very fast. I don't know whether you've ever seen the uh, outcome of a crash in the middle of the peloton if somebody slips or loses their balance or blows a tyre or a, a sneaker or, or, or something like that. Uh, I don't think they wear sneakers there, they have special shoes. But I'm sure they can blow as well. But the great thing about the peloton is that it can reduce drag for the riders in it down to 5 to 10%, which is phenomenally low drag. Um, which results, of course, in the riders riding in the peloton being far less fatigued. The interest, other interesting thing is that I'm pretty sure it's impossible to win the Tour de France without some serious teamwork. I know that individ extraordinary individuals have won stages without help or without much help, but never the entire race. And so the church community is a bit like a peloton, hopefully nowhere near as dangerous, but it has many benefits for the people involved in it. Our successes still require strength of character, situational awareness, and cooperation from all of us. We are better together. And I think James 5.13 sums it up the best. And we're actually, going to, we're actually going to put this into practical use in just a moment, so be prepared. I'm going to ask you to stand up in a moment so you can start flexing your calves and your thighs just to get ready. James 5.13, and I'm reading this in the Southern USA version. Are any of you all suffering hardships? You all should pray. Any of you all happy? Then you all should sing praises. Are any of you all sick? You all should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you all, anointing you all with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you all better. And if you all have committed any sins, which is fairly likely, you all will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you all may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results, y'all. And I think this is a great example of God speaking to us through his disciples to say, look, we're in this together. But if we can actually nurture and look after each other, if we can actually see that the health of the individual impacts the health of the community and that the health of the community builds the individuals, then we're on, we're on our way to something really special. And so I want us to do that this morning. We, I'm going to get the, the band, if the, the band can make their way forward. And we got, we're going to sing that song with all the uh, O's in it. Because that's, that's the praises. Now, I don't want to restrict you. If you're not happy, you can still sing praises. But what we're also going to do, well, can, let's, let's stand and we're going to sing that song. But I think it's really important for us to pray as a community. And here it talks about praying from the sick. Now, we're not going to anoint you with oil this morning because uh, I didn't bring any along and it's probably a bit messy. And it's 
Cobram Estate, and Vicky said, you're not wasting that on. <laughs> so she, did, she doesn't know anything about it. Don't, don't go giving her a hard time after the service. But what, what I'm going to do is while we sing this song, if you're happy and you're healthy and you're well, sing praises to God. But if you're sick or someone you know, someone in your family, a friend, a co-worker is sick, then I want you to come forward on this altar and I'm going to get Pastor Vicky, I'm going to get uh, David and possibly Liz and Ashley, depending on how many people come forward. Uh, and we're just going to pray for you and lay hands on you together as a community. So you ready? Let's sing. And as I said, if you're sick, please come forward. We'd love to pray for you. If you're online and you can't do that, just stand where you are and I'll pray for you after I've prayed for these people here. While people are still praying, I just want to give an opportunity. If you haven't become part of a faith community where you've put God as your Lord and Saviour, actually, before I do that, I just want to pray for the people online. Um, I did promise this, so I'm not going to back out on this. Uh, if, you're, if you're there watching online, you have an illness or a sickness in your body, I want you to place your hand on that area right now. And we're going to pray together that the power and the peace of Almighty God falls on you through His Holy Spirit, that there is healing power in His presence and that His desire for you is that you be whole and healed. We pray this now together in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you want to make a decision this morning to follow Jesus, if you want to make Him Lord of your life, you may have done this before and you know that your connection with Him has become distant and disjointed, or that you've never actually made that commitment to make Him the Lord of your life, I want to encourage you to do that this morning. In our church, we start you on that journey by praying with you to open your heart and let Him in to change your life. If you want to do that online, there's a button in the chat, uh, a raise hand button. If you press that, a member of our team will speak with you privately and talk about the next steps you have to take. If you're here in person this morning, as soon as the service ends, please come and see me. I'll be standing up the front and I would love to pray with you and start you on that journey with a personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ.